Drive-ins may have gone for a while, but they are back. The pandemic certainly had drive-in theaters see a resurrection or a revival or something. This week on Top 5, we're going to be taking a look at the top five movies to see at a drive-in. Hello, everyone. I'm Steven Schleicher. Over there is Rodrigo Lopez. Hello, Rodrigo. Hey. And there is Matthew Peterson. Moshi Moshi Mina. All right. Uh, I cannot remember the last time I went to a drive-in movie theater. Um, it has probably been, wow, probably since I was in high school. Uh, that's how long ago it is. Although you can still see if you drive south on 183 south from Hayes. And I think it's uh, <laughs> Shinshin, Liebenthal. I forget where. Uh, there's, still a, there's still a drive-in movie screen that is up that Zach Wolf and I have always uh, threatened that we were going to go grab a projector and a big loud system and drive out in the middle of this farmer's field and watch a movie on that big on that big screen. And, that And get shot. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I mean, you know, maybe the farmer will come out and enjoy the movies that we watch. Such as the number five on my list, Night of the Living Dead. There's nothing better than going to a drive-in movie theater and watching a scary movie with your friends in the car. Because sometimes, I don't know, some people don't have a problem yelling and screaming in a movie theater. I have a problem with that when you're around a bunch of other people because a bunch of other people may not uh, desire to hear your yelling and screaming and hooping and hollering. But Mm -hmm. if you're in your own car... And the windows are partially rolled up or down, depending on, you know, time of year and what you're doing in the car. Um, I think yelling and screaming, get out of the house. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Look out for that guy. Uh, And and then just screams when someone's eating sausages is uh, a very good use of a drive-in movie theater. And so seeing, I I didn't get to see Night of the Living Dead in a drive-in theater. I actually saw it on VHS when I was in high school. Uh, (laughs) Like everybody did in the 80s. Probably. I don't know. I'm sure there's a bunch of people that have saw it actually in a theater or on a drive-in or somewhere. But I think sitting in a creepy, you know, October evening, the moon is uh, just about to rise and uh, you're watching Night of the Living Dead with your friends in a car or truck uh, and uh, getting the bejeebus scared out of you, I think (laughs) makes a perfect use of movies and drive-in theaters. So my number five is Night of the Living Dead. Matthew, what do you have for your number five? I didn't even consider Night of the Living Dead, and it is a favorite of mine. It's one of my sentimental favorite movies. I still own it on VHS. I don't know if my VHS player works, but my thought process was when I go to the drive-in theater, I don't want anything subtle at all. And I feel like Night of the Living Dead has those quiet moments, dun-dun-dun, that uh, for me would I know, be less fun. No, it'd be perfect because if you're going with a bunch of kids from your high school or whatever, and you're all mm-hmm. wanting to have fun at the drive-in theater, that's when the scary parts, uh, you sneak up to <laughs> other people's cars and you bang on the car right at the minute where Barbara's trying to get out of the graveyard and then the people in the car oh. get all freaked out. So Right. No, I'm totally down with that. I just feel like the movies need to be bigger. And so my number five and the same thought process of it's fun to see scary things is alfred hitchcock psycho i actually saw psycho for the first time in the drive-in theater in beloit kansas uh there are a lot of stories about the drive-in theater but uh the underlying theme of most of them is i didn't go to the drive-in for the movies but when psycho was playing i watched that movie and there are moments in psycho that are quieter and subtler but the basic gist of it 
is Anthony Perkins with a knife. Re, re, re. And there's a moment near the end where uh, Anthony Perkins comes out and puts an axe in the face of the guy from Archie Bunker's place. And he falls to his doom. And everybody howls and screams in terror and goes, yeah, woohoo. And that, to me, was one of my you know seminal bonding experiences in the drive-in theater that had something to do with the actual drive-in movie. So if you really want to be creeped out, Psycho, definitely a good movie for a drive-in theater on my number five. Yeah, I don't ever remember Anthony Perkins putting a an axe through the face of Meathead, but I'll, 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 I'll trust you there. Rodrigo, <laughs> Balsam, what, what do, what do you have for guy. your number Your number five? Uh, my number five is oh, also wait, let me ask. Hey, wait a minute. Let me ask you this. Okay, all right. Okay, ha- okay. Have you ever been to a drive-in theater? Have you ever watched a movie in a drive-in theater? I, I only ask because... <laughs> You know, You're after young. about 1985, 86 or so, movie drive-in movie theaters just took a dump big time. Uh, uh, and so you I, may not have had that experience. I actually got a chance to watch Night of the Living Dead <gasps> uh, at at a drive-through. Wow! Um, it's just you know, some places there's a there were at least back in the early 2000s there was at least one place in Ohio. That still had a yeah. drive-through, yeah. And I think they, you know, it wasn't like a, you know, all every night, all night kind of thing. It's it was maybe they were open yeah on the weekends. weekends yeah, that's that's um. There are still move like I said, there's still drive-ins around. Uh, and certainly, like I said, with pandemic, uh, that's how a lot of people. In fact, a good friend of the show, Ashley V. Robinson and Jason Inman, uh, that's how they saw several movies during um during the pandemic. Scott Johnson and his his family would go to the drive-ins to see some of the movies that came out in then, but uh, you know, the drive-in is, is still kind of scarce, but I, I wanted to see if you, if you've been to the drive-in. So good. Night of the living dead. My number five. See already number right there, ladies and gentlemen, uh, a yep. good example, but now R- Rodrigo is going to dazzle us with his number yep. five. <sighs> my number five is also a scary movie. And uh, actually you get your choice. Uh, my number five is the blob and you can pick either the 58 or 88 blob. Um, Ooh. And I the reason eight Shawnee Smith, the the reason for that is that there is a scene in which the blob gets into a movie theater mm-hmm. and kills a bunch of people in the movie theater. Mm-hmm. Um, spoiler alert! But so if you're in a drive drive-in, you can be like, "Oh, I am so much safer from the blob because I'm in a car." But then there's the scene where like the blob gets into a car. Um, <laughs> And then it'll scare you anyway. So yeah, my my number five is the Blob. I'm going to go with uh, 1958, the Blob, only because uh, like 68 year old Steve McQueen playing a teenager in that movie is just like mm. spot on. <laughs> I am a teenager. I want a yeah. French fried potato. Uh, you know, Matthew, you sandwiches. said uh, going to the drive-in, you kind of want to see something that has a lot of spectacle to it, a lot of yeah. uh, big, big in your face stuff. And uh, what can get more bigger and into your face than Enter the Dragon with uh, Bruce Lee? Right. A good Asian cinema beat em up Kung Fu movie uh, that has uh, one of the, uh, uh, you know, undeniably one of the greatest uh, martial arts experts of our time up on the big screen, uh, just fighting it out. And uh, there may be a little bit of nudity here and there. There may be some little action going on uh, here and there. There may be a really good bad guy. Uh, I believe this one also has Chuck Norris in it. So you can get to see Chuck Norris at your drive in movie theater. And that's why my number four is Enter the Dragon. 
I was gonna I was nice. gonna try to find a bunch of sound effects from like drive-in movie theater like uh we'll be right Let's back kind of intermission yeah but how do you go to a lobby at a drive-in theater that's more like a Let's uh, all go yeah to they the have like kiosk. a it's like yeah it's like a shed yeah it's yeah. like a shed but it's not like a lobby so I always have a problem yeah. with that but uh definitely anytime that you hear like uh classic 60s early 70s asian cinema stuff and they've got all the the crazy sounds that go with it i always picture that <laughs> with a drive-in movie theater and enter the dragon i think is probably the best example of that so that's my number four uh nice. matthew what do you have for your number four i never got to see enter the dragon in a theater a uh, drive-in theater but i did get to see the kentucky fried movie which has an extended enter the dragon pastiche called a fistful mm. of yen um, but I don't necessarily recommend that movie for a number of reasons. It hasn't aged well. But I do recommend my number four movie. And my number four movie is another one that I actually saw in a drive-in theater. And it all, oh my God, it caught my attention. Because I was too young to see this movie, more than likely. And I was too young to have definitely seen it in its original run. It came out in like 1980. But by the time it got to the drive through Friday the 13th, the original Friday the 13th with Kevin Bacon is just such a great film to watch in a drive-in theater. There are a couple of people who get killed in cars, first of all, but it's a film where, first of all, there's nothing subtle, nothing even slightly subtle about the movie. But if you're familiar with the story of Jason Voorhees and, you know, the whole, the backstory, the lore, if you will, the, the mythos, uh, if you could use that term for Jason Voorhees, there is a huge twist at the end of Friday the 13th that then turns into a second huge twist. So if you just think, oh, yeah, Friday the 13th is all Jason and a hockey mask, this one has some moments that are going to catch you by surprise. And it's a really, really remarkably good trash movie. I mean, everything seems to follow. The first three, honestly, Friday the 13th movies are pretty solid. If you can get past, you know, early special effects. That, <laughs> Philistine. That is a, <laughs> Dream Warriors isn't even a Friday the 13th movie. Dream <laughs> Warriors is a nightmare on Elm Street. I mean, they're all the same thing. Oh, you know what? This, you know whose fault? This is J. Michael T.'s fault, because I read just today on our Discord server, hey, Steven, you should make Matthew yell more on the shows. So I, I mean, know you're just baiting me. It's easy. Rodrigo, what, what, do you, what do you have for your number four? Um, <laughs> he doesn't know. <laughs> no, uh, I, I, I wrote this, this list in a daze. Uh, when I was waking up, and so I can't oh. even read my own handwriting. It's a school no, no, days, no. a Spike Lee's yeah. school days. That's that's what it is. Uh, no, uh, so the advantage of one of the advantages of the drive-in is that you're in your own car and you can talk to the people that are in the car with you, and you're not going to bother anyone else. You might bother the people in the car, but you're not going to uh, bother the 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 general public at large, right? Um, so, uh, one film that could, uh, really it's a genre, but specifically one film that could really benefit from that is going to the drive-in and watching Knives Out. Mm -hmm. Because if, 
let's say you go with one other person. If neither of you have seen it, then you can like sit there and, and float your theories. Like, oh, I, I really think the murderer is the knife chair. <laughs> um, and then, or if you've both already seen it, um, then you can see all of the clues that lead to the eventual, um, you know, eventual reveal of who the murderer is. Of course, the knife chair. Um, <laughs> I guess there's also the possibility that one of you has seen it and one of you hasn't seen it. In which case, it also allows you to sort of, if you're the one who has seen it, to instead of watching the movie, just watch this person's face the whole time. <laughs> like, does he get it? Do they get it? Do they get it? Do they, they figure it out? They didn't figure it out. It was a knife chair. Uh, but uh, yeah, so, you know, mysteries in general, I just figured, like, what's a good mystery that has come out? Skipped over all of the latest Poirot stuff, which I hear is not very good, um, and just go... Oof. Go find knives. I, you know, that's just I, what I've been hearing. Yeah, I watched them both. We can talk about that in a okay, pre-show somewhere. Yeah, right. yeah sure, definitely. Uh, so yeah, knives out. All right, cool. Uh, so growing up, there were two drive-ins that uh, we would go to quite a bit. The one that was uh, up in Johnson County. I forget what the name of it. The Twi- Twilight Drive-in or something like that. Starlight Drive-in. Uh, I think it's now a uh, car lot that the owner was sent to jail for murdering his wife or something about ten years ago. I don't remember. Uh, the other one was in Ottawa, Kansas, and it was the south end of town. And for some reason, I always remember it being up on top of a rise or a hill that not only did you get to watch a movie, but you could see the uh, twinkling uh, lights from the co-op uh, as you were watching the movie in the background. Uh, the interesting thing is we went to the drive-in a lot growing up, or at least I remember going to the drive-in a lot growing up until about 82 or so. And when we would go, you know, we'd take the, the, the pickup truck. We had a camper shell on the back so we could back in and you could sit back there and lay down and watch your stuff. Very rarely did we actually go in a car. And I think the reason why we went to the drive-in a lot growing up is because it was cheap and inexpensive, right? For like uh, a dollar, however many people you could pack into your car, that's who could go in and see the movie. And if you were in the back of the truck uh, in the camper and you kept your head down and uh, on nights when they charge per person in the car, then, you know, only the two people in the front seat had to pay and everybody in the back didn't have to pay. Um, and so it was cheap entertainment, right? Uh, because the traditional movie theater was just really expensive and only people that had a lot of money could really go to the movie theater. And so I think when we're talking about uh, class separation, that the drive-in theater and the uh, sit-down air-conditioned movie theater, uh, if we're talking about the class uh, separation, then the best movie to see at the drive-in that really hits at home for you is a little movie called They Live, where Mm. uh, the the world is falling apart. You're in a horrible recession. Everybody's trying to find jobs. And Rowdy Roddy Piper stumbles upon a conspiracy of aliens that have come to this planet and uh, are, you know, making themselves and certain people who are in on the conspiracy very, very wealthy while everyone else suffers and has to go to the drive in theater. Um, This is such a great movie. I've talked about They Live so many times. If you've never seen John Carpenter's They Live that came out in 1980 something, 88, something like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, you really Idiot. owe it to yourself to see They Live uh, because uh, Roddy Piper and Keith David get into it 
uh, at one point. Uh, there's a there's a hobo with a watch that makes him disappear. It's got everything that you want in a movie, including some creepy aliens and uh, uh, some great classic lines like I have come to chew bubble gum and kick behind and I'm all out of bubble gum. And then Roddy Rowdy opens up with a shotgun. Oh, man, they live on a big uh, movie theater screen. Now, that's the only pro- that's the other problem I kind of had with the drive in theater when I was a kid. I kind of mm. wanted to park up front closer to the screen sure, so it would sure. fill your view. My parents were always like parking in the uh, second to the back row or something because they never parked in the back row because we all know what the back row of the drive-in was for. They would park right. in the second to the back row because we were in a truck with a camper shell on it, and they knew the people in the back row wouldn't care if we were blocking their vision. Sure. Right. So People in the back row are playing pinochle. Yeah. So uh, the closer you could get to the screen and see, I mean, seeing they live on like a 90-foot, 100-foot screen, ooh, that'd be really good. And that's why They Live is my number three movie to go and see at the drive-in. Let's see. Who are Matthew? What do you have for your number three? My number three is a movie that I absolutely wish I had seen uh, in the drive-in. In fact, I'm not entirely sure if I've ever seen this movie in any theater at all. But I feel like that the big comedy moments work. I feel like the action sequence works. I feel like all of it would be great in a drive-in setting. And it's the movie that we referred to back in 84 as the one with the kid from Parenthood and the one with the kid from The Lost Boys and then George Carlin. And that film, of course, is Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure from 1989. Have we talked about it five years before? Just stay with me. We're just that good. Um, I actually wasn't going to use this because I feel like this is Rodrigo's movie. And, you know, if we if we had an episode where he talked about the black hole and I talked about Indiana Jones and oh, Steven saying we the, would pro, know the that, phrases of 13, we would ghosts. know that uh, we were all being uh, held hostage and <laughs> exactly, we needed help right, immediately. Right. You know, the minute <laughs> yeah. that Rodrigo and I espouse upon the greatness of head, then, oh, you know, we're in trouble. Yep, you know, you're in big trouble because neither of you have even seen the movie, which is, you know, why your hearts are filled with rage and you haven't hey, found hey. the joy of humanity. What? I went to film school. I was shown all sorts of unwatchable movies. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> hey, uh, did I show you the cut on my finger? <laughs> so the thing about Bill and Ted that I think would work really well, and I think, honestly, if I were going to the drive-in movie, this is what I would want to see. Even the moments that feel like they're quiet moments aren't quiet moments. You know, there's that point where we're in front of the Circle K, but it turns out to be Bill and Ted yelling at Bill and Ted across the parking lot. Or we're going to go to the mall and it ends up being this huge montage to a, a freaky deaky song. And of course, there's that whole Dragon Force thing in the big ending. And honestly, I would not say that about any of the other Bill and Ted films. I have a soft spot for both of the other Bill and Ted films, but this is the only one that I would want to see in that drive in theater. Because first of all, the the utopian society where everybody's wearing plastic hats and clothes made out of trash bags would look so great when you're like further away from the screen and you're not looking at it. And most importantly, the face of George Carlin is so expressive that I could just imagine being miles away and coming over the hill because you could come over the hill and see the movies in the theater the drive-in theater where I grew up. Yeah. You could see the movie and you would see George and he would be doing the George face. And you'd be like, boy, that looks like a fun movie. So my number three, Bill and Ted's excellent adventure, not to be confused with Bill and Ted's bogus journey or Bill and Ted's uh, tax uh, refund uh, massacre. I don't remember what the third one was called. 
Rodrigo, what do you have for your number three? Face the music. Yeah, um, I was wondering. <laughs> my uh, my dream warriors, three. Bill and Ted for yeah, dream Bill and Ted dream warriors. Yep. Um, my it writes itself. I mean, they spend most of the second movie dead. Yeah. Uh, so my number three is the Princess and the Frog. The the Disney oh the Disney movie Princess oh. and the Frog. It's like why? Because the Princess and the Frog was the very last hand animated Disney feature film, so it was kind of like this relic of a lost era. Drive-ins are kind of a relic of the of a lost era. Are they the same era? No. I mean, sort of, because you know, animation spanned a, a very long time, but not really. You know, it's like the Princess and the Frog came out in like two thousand nine. Um, long after drive-ins had already been uh, driven to extinction and before they resurged, their resurgence in 2020. Um, so, yeah, it just kind of this, it creates this sort of like nostalgic Americana sandwich, kind of like watching an episode of Stranger Things, right? It's like, this is 1980-70-what? You know, it's like, mm-hmm. it, it, it kind of, hopefully it'll kind of do that for you especially if they're playing those uh those uh let's all go to the shed uh sound effects during the intermission uh so yeah definitely princess of the frog very very cool now here is a movie that i definitely saw at the drive-in theater and i forget i forget where i saw that i may have seen it when i was visiting relatives in uh in georgia at the time but I remember because instead of sitting in the car or in the back of a truck to watch this movie, maybe we went with a couple of people and maybe there were multiple cars, but I remember sitting on the front hood of a car and leaning back with my back up against the, um, uh, the windshield and watching a young boy who lived in a trailer park, uh, playing video games and saving the universe in the process. Uh, this is the last starfighter. And I remember it was a clear, beautiful, warm night. Stars are shining overhead so that when uh, you're in the space battles, you could almost imagine looking up and seeing that stuff going on. You could uh, imagine that the uh, trailer park that was right across from the uh, movie theater. That was the other thing about the movie theater in uh, Kansas City. There was like a bunch of like houses close to the movie theater where I bet if you sat in an upstairs window, you could watch movies for free all the time. Um, But uh, yeah, The Last Starfighter is a great 1980s movie. Uh, it's a great, I know that they're trying to do a remake of it or a sequel to it or something of it, but it's almost a perfect movie that captures that particular time period. I don't think you could do it justice today without, without really just crapping all over the original. Uh, there are times where you can make a remake or you can make a, a sequel or something. And it's really in the spirit of the original. But I think if you had to take on the last starfighter today, it would be some like, dude bro sitting in his uh his basement playing <laughs> xbox uh and it would just it would just lose the it would just lose the the magic that was the last starfighter because our hero was not he was somebody who had dreams and ambi- ambitions and he wanted to do more than just uh be a, a general manager at the at the trailer park and uh 
unclog people's across, toilets across from the across from the theater yeah. across from the theater uh no he wanted to go to college and he wanted to do big things and when he's offered the chance to become the last starfighter and save the uh save the world against uh zerg and the codan armada then uh you know i guess it's Zur, not zerg zerg is a uh Buzz Lightyear character. Oh, story guy. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, then, you know, the, the, the last starfighter has a lot of meeting and messages and a lot of good action and fun in it. And so that's my number two movie to see at the drive-in the last starfighter. Uh, Matthew, nice. what is your number two? My number two, uh, is a film that I honestly don't know that I have ever referred to, uh, in top five history, but it immediately leapt. This was actually the first thing that leapt to my mind. When I thought, what do I want to go see in the theater? Uh, 1988s, I know I'm stuck in the 80s, I apologize. The Adventures of Baron Munchausen, which is a Terry Gilliam film. Uh, yeah, Gilliam was one of the, the Pythons, uh, starring John Neville as uh, Baron uh, Munchausen, a very, very young Sarah, Sarah Polly, and like a thousand people you know, including Robin Williams, who does not get credited in the film. By the way, Robin Williams is not anywhere in the film's credits, but he is clearly in the movie. And yeah, he plays it the is, man in the moon. Yeah, he plays the king of the moon, actually. Yeah, yeah. But as you go through, uh, I believe he's credited as Re di Tutto, which, if you say it out loud, sounds like Italian for king of the world or king of everything. But it's this movie that basically takes, I want to say, it's a radio show based on old lore and uh folk tales of this uh character this overblown character who may or may not have done any of the things that he's done and so you know we get to see this very postmodern take on baron munchausen but it's also a big movie and it's a movie that i've seen on television i've seen in a movie theater i've seen on a little four inch screen i used to work for a company called flow tv that had little mobile televisions that they sold and one of the channels was the Crackle channel. And for some reason, they would play the adventures of Baron Munchausen endlessly. So I've seen this a hundred times, and I feel like it would really lend itself to that big screen viewing. Plus, it's got uh, one of my favorite folktale things, uh, the, the bunch of people who each have one special ability, who together are Superman but individually are just a bunch of goobers and it's only together that they're any good. Cause there's one guy that sees really well and one guy that runs really fast and one guy who can drink the ocean. And I've always loved that. There's a Disney cartoon with a similar uh, thing. I think it's a Pecos bill cartoon, but just love this movie. And I feel like if you sit down and you're on the hood of your car with Steven, cause it's 1984, it's a beautiful night. It's clear. It's lovely. You know, there's a breeze. Well, coming I mean, in it's 1984. So, you know, the, uh, the bluish cloud that's hanging over the drive-in from all the, the <laughs> lead, <laughs> lead gasoline cars, it doesn't make the night super clear, but yeah I, yeah, I see where you're coming from. You know, the cloud over my particular drive through was greener. If you see what I'm saying, but Nonetheless, I think either of those clouds could enhance the viewing experience of the adventures of Baron Munchausen. All right. Now, we couldn't watch 1984 because, again, it didn't exist yet. But time travel is one of the things we do on Top 5. Yeah. Uh, Rodrigo, what do you have for your number two? My number two is a movie that I don't think I've I've ever had on my uh, on mine before, but we'll have to we'll have to go to the tape. Mm -hmm. Um, and that is Avatar, 
the Cameron Avatar. Oh, Avatar the Last Blue People? Yep. Oh, yep. that would be and interesting. I think it would be. Um, it's uh, it's a big movie, right? It's like lots of stuff. So I I thought what would what movies would be sort of enhanced to a certain degree right the 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 drive through experience is is different right i don't think if you ever if you talk to almost any filmmaker they'll say yes my my film was made to be experienced through a tiny blown out speaker um in the front seat of an ultima but um the drive-through experience does create a different experience. So I thought Avatar has a lot of flying shots. Basically, a lot of times when like the characters are flying around, or you're following in a bunch of like space helicopters, or you're flying around on a some sort of uh, winged uh, lizard squirrel or something. Um, and so I thought if you watch Avatar. At the drive-in, it'll look like you're like a Universal Studios or at like Disney. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. You, like those like film rides. And then you can do all of the uh all the things yourself. It'll it'll be rough on your shock absorbers, but you can jump around and you can like throw your body to the right or left when you know there's a sharp turn, and it'll feel a lot like it. Because, you know, when you go on those, it, you know, jitters your back out of alignment anyway. So it'll yeah, be good I think, times. I think it'd be interesting just if you had the 3D spectacles to go with it. Uh adding that other layer of uh immersion to your do you, flying. Do you car. think do you think that that would work? I kind of feel like I mean it's just it's time... just polarized. So it, the the glasses are just polarized lenses. So I think you'd be. What okay. if your windshield is polarized? Oh, now see that might you think that, that might would interfere? throw it up. That might that might interfere a little bit. I don't know. It'd be interesting to see. Yeah, I know one of I know one of the things that that people would do when they would go to the movie uh, drive-in theater, not the movie theater. Oh my gosh! Uh, when you would go to the drive-in theater, if you didn't want to go up to the concession stand, you know, you could bring in your own uh, food and drink. You could bring in sure. lawn chairs, and you could spread out. Uh, everybody sitting around the, the the tailgate of your of your car or truck or whatever. And uh, drink from your cooler of uh, funky stuff and uh, watch the film in front of you. Or if you're like the uh, the movie theater up uh, in uh, Overland Park, Olatho, wherever, uh, Johnson County that I grew up in, it was a double screen drive in theater. So you'd look one way and you would watch the movie that you supposedly paid to see. But if you were like me and you were bored by, I don't know what. Uh, oh, I know what movie it was. No, it couldn't have been that movie. What year did The Sting come out? That was like 1979 or something. Mm, the, the original one? Yeah. I want to say it was earlier than that. Wasn't that like 1973? Maybe it was. Um, there was a sequel in like 83. Oh, you mean the Redford one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 73. Yeah, so maybe it's... Apparently there was a, a Sting in 92. Well, so anyway, to the sting in like 83. Oh, yeah, maybe that's that's well, it probably wouldn't have been that. Maybe. No, it probably was the sequel to the sting, in fact, because that then aligns with this movie. I love sting the 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 sting with Redford and Newman, the very first movie. I thought it was really clever and I thought it was really good. It was one of my mom uh, mom's favorite movies. And my dad also enjoyed it, too, for all the con stuff. Uh, So we must have gone to see the sting Two electric boogaloo where they have to go and con uh, these kids out of the rec center. Um, but I was so bored 
that every once in a while I would turn around and watch the movie. I mean, it couldn't, couldn't, didn't have any sound, but I would turn around and watch the movie behind me. I would look through the, the rear view mirror and watch that until my dad was like, or the rear window and watch until my dad was like, Hey, turn around. Uh, and that's because the movie that was playing on the other screen was fire and ice. 1983's oh. Ralph Bashke movie. That, no. Uh, d- yes. Oh my God. I love that movie. That uh, is. Steven learned a lot from the rear view mirror. That yeah. Summer. From the, from the few <laughs> yeah, things I that I could see of that movie. I was very surprised just because, you know, it's so realistic. It's Bashke rotoscoping, uh, you know, all the movements and everything. And there's some sexy times and other stuff. Originally, I thought it was maybe wizards that I saw, but I mean, that would also kind of align with us going to the movie theaters in the seventies, but I'm pretty sure it was the sting too. Now that you're triggering that, uh, that memory yeah. hole. And uh, it would have had to have been fire and ice. Now, the thing is, by the time movies get to drive in theaters, this isn't like first run. It's not like the Batman uh, opens on a drive in theater, right? The Batman opens at the drive in theater, like after it hits HBO Max, which you know could be any day now. Um, uh, the movie yeah, drive in movie theater. I, uh, I actually watched it last week. Yeah, yeah, it was really good. Um, so, you know, my timing could probably be a little off on, oh, well, uh, the sting two was actually released in August and fire and ice was released in uh, also August of 1983. Um, but you know, the thing is you could watch anything at the drive-in theater and depending on, and oftentimes the, the bigger drive-in theaters, uh, I'm almost certain that we saw two Star Trek motion pictures, uh, back to back. Uh, it was, uh, search for Spock. And uh, Wrath of Khan and Search for Spock were back to back at a drive in one time. Uh, and so oftentimes my parents thought it was a great idea to go at, you know, eight o'clock, see two movies for like a buck uh, and then get home after midnight because you would be able to sit and watch the, the eight o'clock show, which would be the more generic uh, movie. And then after 10 o'clock. Uh, when, you know, many families would go home cause they have their kids and wanted to go to sleep and they didn't want to stick around for the sting too. Um, you could watch a second movie from 10 until midnight. So like Herbie, the love bug. That's what I, I saw Herbie, the love bug at a drive-in theater. <laughs> I, that's I think a great I, movie. I think I saw, uh, in fact, I saw most of the Herbie movies at the drive-in theater, but you know, going back and just remembering how awesome fire and ice looked on that big screen in the rear window of my parents, you know, uh, Ford Mustang, um, it was actually kind of an experience, you know? So yeah, I think fire and ice would be the top movie to see in a drive-in theater only because there's some stuff that is a little, uh, maybe not uh, family friendly and you're sitting in a whole mm-hmm. parking lot for the full of kids running up and down the aisles, banging on cars, doing other things that, uh, that that one is definitely something to go in, to go and check out. So my number one movie to go see at the drive-in fire and ice Screenplay uh, on that was actually written by Jerry Conway and Roy Thomas. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's definitely a, definitely got comic book vibes all throughout it. Oh, it's available now oh, on on yeah. digital. You can get it digitally, uh, very very easy. So go check. You that should. Out. You should. It's oh, I, I've seen it. I've got it. Uh, so yeah, it's it's good. Uh, yeah, February of nineteen eighty three. The Sting two for everybody that's sh- shouting at their podcast. So by the time that got out of the theaters and into the drive in, would have been about the same time. And I would bet that Fire and Ice went directly to one of the few movies that went directly <laughs> to. The drive-in. Regular so, to drive-in. Yeah, yeah. drive-in. Uh, Matthew, yeah, what do you Rock have? and Rule, which is very similar. Well, that's another one. No, I think I saw that one on television. Like a heavily edited version of that on television. So 
<laughs> but yeah, uh, Matthew, what do you have for your number one? My number one is not merely the finest movie of 1977. Nay, the finest movie of the 1970s. And it is big and it is brash and it is, there is nothing subtle in this film with the sole exception of the sex scene, which is subtle because it's 1977 and, you know, we're working with a PG rating here. But if you're going to go to a movie theater and you're going to sit down and you're going to watch a movie from the front seat of your car, there is nothing better than Smokey and the Bandit. I I saw that one in the drive-in. Yes, I I so wish I had. I never did see it in the drive-in. For and some reason, we saw a lot of Burt Reynolds movies at the drive-in, like The Longest Yard. Uh, yeah, your mom loved Burt Reynolds. Yeah, she did. Yeah, him yeah. and uh, Robert Redford. So. Yep. And the thing about that movie that's so great is just it's constantly something happening. And even if that something is goofy and ridiculous, you know, there's action sequences because it's directed by a stuntman. There's stuff going on everywhere. And of course, one of the greatest moments in film history, right up there with Rosebud and whatever the hell happened in Unshien Andalou, something with a razor and a dead monkey. Um, there's that moment where he's like, we're not going to make it, Cletus. Just go on. They don't know who the snowman is. And Jerry Reed thespian jerry reed says oh well let's just introduce him to the boy and then rams 15 police cars with a you know a giant mac truck and so if you want that if you're if that's what you're looking for and i feel like in a drive-in experience you definitely are looking for jerry reed uh ramming corrupt policemen out of the way my number one Smokey and the bandit is your way to go you know who loves this movie you know who loves my kid loves this Mm. movie and it's weird because everything in this movie is the stuff that my kid hates in other movies. Like it's a very seventies vibe like and it's cars some jokes. Like, uh, CB humor and yeah. Uh, CB racist, humor. Racist it's got cops some, and some jokes that didn't age well. Vis-a-vis race. There's some jokes that didn't age well. Vis-a-vis, uh, you know, calling people fairies or whatever it is. But for some reason, we sit and we watch this whenever it comes on. And she, still to this day, the child will cheer. Oh, she's watching an edited version then. She's Dude. not watching the one with all the bad language. Uh, not, any, not anymore. We've, the edited version was the first version they saw. Uh, recently, we've been watching it. It's on either Flix or uh, Retro, Retroplex, which airs it unedited. So there's no scumbums in this one. And, of course, you do have that lovely moment where somebody, you know, throws the F-bomb. And, of course, it's got, uh, what's his name? You know the guy, uh, Paul Williams, which, I mean, anything with Paul Williams, even if you're watching, like, Phantom of the Paradise, just sit down and prepare to enjoy yourself. Paul Williams movies are always a good time. I don't know why. It's the law. All right. There you go. Uh, I, I saw that, as I said, Longest Yard. I'm trying to think what, what some other Burt Reynolds movies. Uh, what is it? The Sharky's Machine. Sharky's Machine. Uh, that Stick! <laughs> WW and the Dixie Dance Kings. What's, what's the one where he's the, um, is it Hooper, where he's the stuntman? Yes. Yeah, they, we saw that one at the drive-in. He's, he's the stuntman with uh, Jan Michael Vincent. There's uh, Stick. There's, God, there's like a hundred of now, them. I do remember seeing, uh, I do remember seeing City Heat. Was it City Heat? Set, Semi tough. Uh, um, I saw that one at the movie theater. Yeah, yeah that's only I've on Tuesday seen, dollar night. I, I've <laughs> never seen any of those movies, movie and I hadn't stuff. heard of them either. You never heard of it? You think I'm making this up? They sound super made up. The man like who he, loved cat dancing. 
Yeah, uh, it's the, like the longest yard. Longest yard is a good one. Gator. Well, I had, I had. Okay, I had heard of the longest yard. Gators. Like, that's a remake uh, of it yeah. too. So uh, the Cannonball like, Run. Cannonball Run. Watch yeah. the kid. Uh, Stroker Ace. Yeah. What's the one with uh, What's City the one with Kenny Rogers with the kids and the race car thing? Uh, that is Six Pack. Yeah, yeah. Saw that one at the drive-in. Six too. Pack is not a bad movie. I also saw Six Pack at the drive-through and or at the drive-in. But the thing about Six Pack is Six Pack is really, really not a well-aged film because no. one of the primary jokes is uh, a half-naked sixteen-year-old girl. And we keep having this moment where, you know, the the half-naked 16-year-old girl comes out and goes, tee-hee, and distracts full-grown men. And I'm like, no. No, it is not 1982 anymore. You cannot get away with that. I think that one had Farrah Fawcett in it, right? Uh, Aaron Gray. Oh, Aaron from Gray. Okay. Buck Rogers. Yeah, same thing. Same haircut, anyway, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Rodrigo. Uh, we, before we put our speakers back on the uh, post... And we don't drive off and rip it out of the uh, out of its socket. Uh, <laughs> you need coily. to tell us. Yeah, you need to tell yeah. us what your number one is. All right. So my number one is another scary movie. So my number five was a movie that is scary. And when you watch it at the drive-in, you're like, okay, well, you know, the blob blob gets people in the theater. It doesn't get them at the drive-in. Right. But uh, my number one is a movie where the thing can get you anywhere. And that is, of course, it follows. And what oh, happens at the drive-in? You get naked. People are just constantly walking around your car. <laughs> oh. Just, and, you know. And also the things that happen to get you yes. and it follows. Again, you know, we talk That's about the, the movie that very right? last row. Yep. yep. So, yeah. It's like there, there in fact, may not be a, a modern movie that is better suited uh, for the drive-in, then it follows. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a that's a great yeah. that's a great one. That's there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, some movies that if you have a drive-in around you, go and talk to the uh, drive-in theater owner and say, "Hey, man, can you play any of these great movies? Do them as a double uh, bill or something, and uh, let's see if we can pack your drive-in theater." And he'll be like, "Boy, you got five seconds to get off my property." Um, but uh, in the meantime, if you can't get your drive-in theater to show any of these fine movies, what you can do is head over to our Discord server, jump into the top five channel, and share your list of movies that you think would make a great viewing experience at the drive-in theater. We will read your list. Everyone else will read your list. Why are they going to do that? Because everyone loves a list. Take care, everyone. We'll talk with you soon. This podcast is copyright 2022 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.